0: All right, hey! Welcome to the War Room today. I got a very special guest with me today. I've, you know, had the privilege of knowing him for I don't know at least what about a year maybe or so, and uh, he's a very influential man in many people's lives. Welcome to the show. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience so they know who you are, brother? Love to, love to,
1: Jason, and honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Gagan Gupta, and I'm a clarity coach for The Fifth Door, and also a clarity coach for a program called The Passion Finder. And what I do is help transform career professionals, income, and businesses. So if they want to pivot into a business, I help
0: them do that. Yeah, good stuff, man. Really good stuff. And before we even got on here, we kind of had the chance to talk, and you were talking about uh somebody that uh we were talking about the effects of knowing how good you are doing and the effects that you have on other people and so this leads me to wonder right cuz you you know y'all obviously help transforms people's lives did you grow up in a family of entrepreneurs or people that did this kind of work
1: not at all no <laughs> No, not at all, completely opposite. And I'm going to be very vulnerable over here to share a few things, Jason. I was growing up in um, a lower middle class family. And um, my dad was in business, but it never did really well. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I learned that all you do is you make losses in business. And I've seen my friends do business and, and fail. And then that's the thing that got into my head that I can never be successful in business because that's what I saw. So to answer your question, yes, my dad was an entrepreneur, but I don't think he ever believed in himself. And that's what got into me mm. until last year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So how did that influence you on the way? I mean, that that's that's you know, our parents in our lives are a big influence in our lives. So like, how did that like influence your, you know, not, not just your childhood, but how did it influence you as you started to grow? And um, most of the time, business owners had that bug like way back. Right. But they didn't maybe necessarily grow up with the support to get it there. So, what did that look like for you? How how did that finally transform itself out? Great question, Jason. I think that from the year
1: seven, since I remember, uh, I started to have the feeling that I am not enough, mm. and that is what whatever you just said it translated into. I am I am not enough, and because we didn't have enough money, every toy I wanted. I was told you got to wait for 10 days or 10 weeks, and so on. So I learned the value of money as well. At the time, I cursed myself for being born in a family where money is so scarce. Mm. But now I realize it was universe's way of telling me you got to value money. The flip side is I became independent. I learned the value of increasing my own skill. And I became so determined that when I was 13, when other kids were playing cricket on the streets of New Delhi, India and breaking glasses of houses and cars, I was inside studying Dale Carnegie, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Jim Ron, Andrew Carnegie, and so on. Yeah, yeah. So the personal development junkie in me, I think was born then as a result of that problem that I'm not enough to, to make myself enough. I just got into books and personality development. And when I came to Australia, I think my first job was doing dishes in an Indian restaurant for five or $7 an hour. And the overcompensating self of I am not enough became I will be enough by learning everything I can to make enough money for my survival. And I went from $7 an hour to about three, $400,000 earning annually in senior executive roles in the last seven to eight years. So that's how it translated and changed my life. Yeah. But, it, a, but it left a dent. Amazing.
0: It's amazing though.
1: It's it, it left a dent. And I get emotional talking about it because the dent was it's it was still there up until a year ago when you and I started to talking through a network. Yeah. yeah. So it's only it's only just gotten over recently, and I won't say it's gone completely. Yeah. Yesterday I was presenting to a group of people and my legs were shaking. But for the first time, I had the courage to tell those people, guys, do I look nervous? And they go, no, you don't. I'm like, my legs are shaking. And we usually feel afraid because the sentence comes up from the stomach to the throat to the lips. And then we go zip. Yeah. But in my case, yesterday, I decided I'm going to have the courage to say it. And those guys just laughed. Yeah. So my assumption that they will be judgmental of me just went right down right and it comes
0: we're 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 the most critical of ourselves right i mean you know and and that's a good and bad thing and you know but we are also creatures of you know we need feedback we need feedback we need uh validation maybe that's the right word um otherwise we have no compass Right. We have no, there is no, uh, there's no compass to let us know that what we're doing is meaningful or all of those things. And so you just got to really have that validation inside and it's hard to do when, especially when you're, you're new at something or you're, you're learning something and then you're trying to teach somebody else something that you've learned, you know, that, that that's where that imposter syndrome comes in, and I don't believe in imposter syndrome, because I think if you're really good at three things, stick with those three things, then you don't got to worry about imposter syndrome. <laughs> right? Yeah. So right. so, but but I think naturally most people at some point in time, you know, they it, it's just human nature to need people to say good job or you know, thank you for that. Or because it, it, it solidifies who we are a little bit and it makes us feel good. And it it does, you get that dopamine hit and then it makes you want to do better next time and even better next time. Then you just level up, level up, level up, level up. And I can see that's the transition that you've made. And it's uh it's a beautiful thing to see. Thanks, thanks, Jason. It is.
1: As I was telling you before, I'm a deeply analytical person. Mm -hmm. It's very hard for me to just say that believe in yourself. And my brain demands proof. And like you said, I didn't pick three things, but I picked four or five things, but I just kept doing it and doing it, doing it. And as a new coach about a year ago, even up until nine months ago, what I wasn't doing is I was... Hoping magic to happen and somehow landing clients through a program or through another guru, what really worked was believing in myself by doing those three things daily practicing, nice. coaching, upskilling, talking to people. And here's the big one I was afraid to make mistakes. Mm. Yeah. But as you, any successful person would tell you that you have to fail your way forward yeah. and challenges and failures are basically a part to success on the other side.
0: Yeah. I've, I've what, always, I've always believed in fail fast and fail forward. Yeah. Well, it took me 37 years to learn that
1: <laughs> and I thought it's going to be an easy ride. And the other thing is I wasn't expecting problems. Sure. So for the last six months, I would sort of change my strategy to expect problems. And then this is what someone else told me who was coached directly by Paul Allen, co-founder of Microsoft. Uh, and it relates to the law of barriers. And I study 52 laws, part of the Nipper group I am. And law number 36 is law of barriers. Basically, what it means is that when you have a problem and the intensity of the problem goes up, you need to go to the problem as fast as possible as opposed to running away so if you ever heard the story if a cow and a bull are grazing and a storm comes they both have a different strategy the cows run away from the storm so that was me a year ago running away from the pain all sorts of pains the bull go right at it and what happens is they go from the excitement zone of grazing to the danger zone of overlapping. And that's what most human wow. beings are afraid of. Yep. And then they cross the storm as quickly as possible because they're going right at it. The storm, the storm passes and they're back to greener pastures. Let's look at the cow now. The cow is still running. The storm catches up anyway. And let's right. say now it's a couple of years. In some cases... A dude I spoke to wants to kill himself because for 43 years, he hasn't followed his passion and heart. And now he's finding a gun to kill himself, literally. <laughs> so the cow goes away and the stomps catching up to the cow. And by this time, if you relate it to real life, the cow is tired, old, more beliefs that I can't do stuff. All right. Good enough. But the pain catches up to you anyway. And then the resentment... The grief, the shame, the guilt has compounded.
0: Right. That's a great story of that's a great comparison story right there. I mean, if that audience, if you did not resonate with that, wake up. I mean, I mean, that was that was a beautifully, beautifully orchestrated story of everybody's life on which avenue you chose to run into it or away from it so i mean i remember i can tell you a story similar to that very first time i was in combat right scared to death i mean just scared to death literally right and you know rockets are hitting and all this stuff and so you got two choices at that point, right? You're going to run into the fire, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and do what you were trained to do, or retreat. Well, retreat's not an option. So you get that's forced. You're forced to be the bull, right? And some the lesson there is sometimes it's good to have somebody kicking you in the back, right? Going go towards the storm
1: you're yeah. going
0: to be all right right yeah. and then they're hitting you in the back of the head with a crowbar every time you want to turn around go the other way right <laughs> yeah i i yeah. like i like blunt force force objects if you didn't catch that <laughs> by now um no but I, I mean i'm that personality right where you know i'm not the person you have a light discussion with that does no good I mean, I'm the person if you want to get me to do something and take massive action, you light yeah. a fire under my ass. I mean, <laughs> right?
1: I'll remember that.
0: Uh, yeah, and and all and then I will take massive action on that. And that's how I operate though. And I know that because that happened to me in real life in combat, right? Yeah. So you know, but knowing this. Right, knowing there is the cow in the bowl, right? Those of you listening to this podcast today, you know that what you need to do now is light that fire under your ass and run toward the storm. So, thank you for that story. That was a that was a great great tie in to the story for sure. So, uh, thanks,
1: Jason. When I heard it for the first time, it hit me like a rock, and then yeah. I experienced it, and I forced myself, like you said. I had to literally force myself and muster up the courage to do the things necessary. And yep. in a couple of months, things started to change.
0: Yep. I, I I think that's a um I think that's a great title for this podcast. You are enough, but are you the bull or the cow? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, did you come up with that just now, uh, just now, just popped in my head. So, awesome. the, uh That's magic. Um, anyway, so well, hey, I mean, one thing about this show is is we we've like created this basically a huge repository of 400 and some episodes now of you know sharing business struggles, things like that, which you've you've done, but. What is one one go-to thing, right, that if you were to affect a young founder that's listening to this show today, one piece of good information, a business struggle that you've had and how you fixed it, what would that be? I'd love to share it. And this is what I do in every
1: transformation call, Jason.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So here, here's what it is. Let's say you want to double your income, which is what I do for some of my clients. That's the number one problem, money. And this could be anything. This could be you wanting to become a public speaker. This could be you wanting to start to read 10 books a a year or whatever. If you want to be here, let's say you want to be a good coach because it's happened to me and your thinking is here, which is, am I good enough? What if no one listens to me? Why will someone listen to me? Why will they pay 500 or 1000 an hour to listen to me? I have no experience. All those things. Now, if you look at these two hands, this is where you want to be. And this is where your belief is. So your own nervous system is protecting you and your ego. The number one job of the ego is to protect you. But by definition, can you see how far apart the hands are? Mm-hmm. There is no alignment. And when you tell that to people, they are shocked, even though it's just common sense. You want to go here, but you're standing here. So either you forget about your goal and you go back to the easy habit or you go from, it's like picking a new habit. You go from the excitement zone of seven days to the danger zone where you have the willpower and the courage to keep going. And what will happen is eventually you'll get to your goal. So you have to change your belief system and you have to go from, I can't afford it to how can I? Right. And that's the one question that changed for me because last year when I was going through depression and suicidal attempts, four in total, and I said to myself, I had an insightful moment. And I said to myself, I've got to change it. How do I change it? I can't afford it. I've not been working for a few months. Who will listen to me? I borrowed money. I sold stuff. And I went from, this is the one question I learned from someone. I can't afford it to how can I? Because our brains are wired to follow instructions. Mm-hmm. When there's somebody kicking your backside, Jason, in the wall, in real war saying go forward, that's somebody giving your brain instructions. So not only are you forced, our brains are designed to follow instructions. So if we tell ourselves we can't do it, that's what we hear. If you want an apple tree, you plant apple seeds. If you plant the seed that I'm not good enough and I can't do it, I can't afford it, nobody will come and listen to me. What's the tree that's going to grow? The exact same tree right so that's what changed for me and I had to change my thinking to I can do it how can I afford it and what if what if my life really changed how would I show up how would I talk yeah what I dress and I was doing none of that
0: Yep, all that question it's just like all really important keys it's like um Oh, what was his name? I'm trying to think of his name. A- Admiral McCraven. He's a retired Navy guy. Right. And he's got a great speech that he gave out there. And one of the first things he says is, you know, uh, the key to success is starting with small wins. Right. So when you make up when you wake up in the morning, a small win is just yeah. make it making your bed. That's it. Yeah. Right. It's the first accomplishment for the day, right? And then that sets up all the rest of the accomplishments for the rest of the day. And Make and and I often tell business owners, right? We have two plans and two plans. You have a business plan and you have a life plan. the 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 business plan is designed to kind of like your V, right? It is designed to support your life plan. <laughs> right. And but what oftentimes happens, it's the other way. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it drastically throws the balance of people's lives off. Yeah. And you know, where work becomes more important than family. And the bit you, you started the business because you wanted some kind of freedom in the first place. Right. But now the business becomes the chain the ball and chain. And now it's all for nothing. Right. So now you're working, you know, 80 hours a week as an employee, you were working 40. So now you're working more than you were before, you know, you're not getting all those same, th- same things. So you just, you know, I mean, I resonate with everything you say, because it's, it's, it's very much the same. Uh, It's the same way I personally think when it comes to, how we have to, I don't believe in work-life balance. I don't think that's a real thing. I think that we we don't balance it. We, we what's the word? Um, we teeter-totter it, right? It's not really a balance necessarily. We manage it, right? We manage it in the best that each of us can because there is no true balance. It's There's always going to be you know, work takes you away for a little bit this day, or, you know, family takes you away from this day. So you couldn't talk to your client or, or whatever, but you just got to learn to try to just keep those, you know, create those clean boundaries as much as you can. And, you know, it's percent what, what you got to do.
1: What you said in the last two and a half minutes, I can summarize in 15 seconds and you are going to love this, Jason. <laughs> The the Dalai Lama, when he was asked what surprised him the most about humanity, he said, man, because he sacrifices his health in order to make money. Mm. Then he sacrifices money to recuperate his health. And then he's so anxious about the future that he does not enjoy the present. The result being that he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as if he's never going to die. And then
0: dies having never really lived. lived. Yep. Ain't there some serious truth bombs in that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's probably most people, to be honest with you, yes. are that way. Most people are yeah. that way, for sure. Yeah, I, I was there. I, yeah, yeah, all of us have been there at one point. In today, for a very long time. For sure. But, well, well, hey... um. Kind of going into the second part and closing down on things. Great, man. Just if you didn't get anything out of that as an audience, you just, you were just sleeping at the wheel. So hopefully uh, you really got some really good stuff out of that, but how, how can people get a hold of you to work with you?
1: So uh, people can go and um, book, a meeting with me or go to my website. It's called uh, redundant to abundant.com mm-hmm. with it. T-O in between, so redundant to redundanttoabundant.com. And they can book a call with me uh, through the website. Awesome.
0: Good stuff. Well, to kind of close things out here, I always like to end with this kind of this final question. And that is, if you could have invited anybody, dead or alive, any point in time, um, to have been here with us today, And maybe it was somebody that could have influenced our conversation today, but there is no wrong answer. Who would have you invited here and why? There's two people
1: that come to my mind, Earl Nightingale and Andrew Carnegie, but I'll choose Andrew Carnegie and here's why. He had the ability to focus on one topic. Mm. For five minutes. It seems small, but he was a billionaire at a time when even earning millions was seen as a huge thing, Jason. Sure. And he was interviewed by the Congress because they thought he's doing something illegal. So he did a test. He said, Sit down, five of you congressmen, and you have five minutes. You have to think about one thing and one thing only. And a human being has sixty to 80,000 thoughts a day. Mm -hmm. You can take a guess of what happened. Every single one of those politicians thought about 100 to 200 things in those five minutes. And Andrew Carnegie focused on one thing. And if he was alive, I'd like to learn how he did it because I'm struggling to focus on one thing for five minutes, maybe 30 seconds, 40 seconds. Reality is our thoughts move from one thing to another in milliseconds.
0: Totally. Uh, there's no way in hell I could sit down for five minutes and think about one thing. I mean, you gotta be like, I mean, you, you gotta be able to leverage like chi all of it or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, that's, that's really, it's hard to stay concentrated on one thing for 30, 40 seconds. Really? Exactly. I mean, like really right. be deep into yeah. it. Right. Yeah. And and I mean, I'm sure there's lots of people that have found ways through meditation to do it, but, but, uh but yeah. no, that's a great, uh, you know, he's one of our, like him or not, some people like him, some people don't, but, but he's one of our founders of business, right? Really, and yeah. a lot of things wouldn't be the way they are without the Fords, the Carnegie's, the. You know, all of those they shaped what America is today, whether you like it or yeah. not. Yeah. True. <laughs> so, and that's why I wanted, I wanted to meet him.
1: He's gone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For sure. Well, well, hey, brother. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for taking uh, the time out of your busy schedule. We all have the same 168 every week. Thanks for taking the time to spend 31 here with me. Um, I really appreciate it. And uh yeah, thank you.